Good morning, Grace Point. How's everybody doing this morning? Amen, amen. Um, did you hear the theme of what worship was all about this morning? Did you just sense the presence of God when you begin to enter in? And I remember hearing that song, I think it was through the Feast of Tabernacles, I think they, they played that song. And, and I remember that, that uh, I had a word about the, the importance of an encounter. And I, I just believe that worship is about an encounter. I believe that we come into this place to where we meet God in the sense of, I know that He's always with us, but how many knows that our spirit has been made whole? But our soul was in struggle a lot of times. And so when we begin to worship, I believe that ministers to our soul, to, to our flesh and those things that we just desperately need. And sometimes we just have to remind ourselves how much God really does love us, don't, don't we, sometimes. And so, uh, but I appreciate the worship team and everything they did. Come on, let's give it up for the worship team this morning. Man, just led us to the throne room. Amen. They led us to the throne room. And um you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a little partial when it comes to worship, and so I, I always find myself watching the drums because, you know, by, by nature, I, I just, I think drums are so passionate. You know, you get, a, you get to just, just sweat and beat those things to death with the passion that you have, and so um, I, just, I just enjoy worship. You know, I, I enjoy seeing many of our, our church family come to the front and worship and kneel down and just have that intimate time, that encounter. Whether you come to the front or you sit in the chairs, you can have that same encounter. You can still experience the same power and that love, uh, the revelation of love and what, he, what it means to you. Amen? You know, a lot of times I sit there and I think about, you know, that first moment. How many of us ever go back to that moment when we had the encounter with Jesus for the very first time? And how powerful it is. And, you know, in this room, every single one of us has a testimony. You know, and, and, and sometimes we can, you know, our testimony can say, man, he really pulled us out of the, out of the, uh, uh, the gutter. We, we've been chasing after other things. And all of a sudden now we encountered this man named Jesus who changed everything. And then some of us don't have maybe as much of a gutter, but we still came into an understanding of, the, of, of God's love. And either way, it is the most powerful thing that I believe that we, can, that we can experience in this world is to understand that He has a reckless love, that He gave His very best so that you and I, we could live with Him forever, that He paid the price, the price that we could not ever pay. And so I'm just so thankful for, for Jesus, aren't you? Come on, let's give it up for Jesus, the true honoring person in this room today. Amen. Well, this morning, as you can see, um, Apostle Dale is not with us today. He is, he is ministering with uh, uh, Apostle Benny Calloway over in Boston, Georgia this morning. How many enjoyed uh, uh, Apostle Benny's message last week? Wasn't it great? It was awesome. I really enjoyed it. And, so, um, and then one other thing that I want to do, those that are listening by podcast, I want you to understand that there's a great message for you this morning. There's a great message for you to understand that the love of God will radically change your life if you just give Him an opportunity. Grace is alive. In Jesus' name. I want to read this, this scripture here this, this morning. And, and I'll let you sit down here in just a second. But when Pastor had asked me to cover for today, 
I begin to ask the Lord, you know, what, what are some of the things that you desire, those things that are desiring in me that need to come out? You know, I, I just believe that, that we all have purpose and destiny, and I know that our purpose and destiny is to reign with Him, and we're to be... Um, uh, we're, we're to, to know that our identity is in Him, that we are His sons and daughters of the Most High, and things like that. But we also have purpose and destiny in this world. We, there, there are things for us to accomplish and to do. Amen? And so I want to address that. And that, those are some of the things that, that, that has been burning in my spirit um, for some time now. And so if, uh, if you would turn to Colossians chapter 4. And I'm going to read out of the Amplified. And let me just set, let me just set the, the parameter of what is going on. So Paul was writing this letter to the, to, the, to the Colossians. And, you know, he's not writing it from, you know, his church office. He's not writing it, you know, sitting at, you know, a restaurant and just writing this letter. He's not sitting and writing this letter in a hotel after just having, you know, just about to go to bed and just relaxing and things like that. But he's writing this letter when he's in prison. And so he's bringing in encouragement. And I love this because when he addresses the Colossians, he's always thankful for them because they are, they are a church or a body of believers that's doing it. Somebody say, let's doing it. They're doing it, man. They're, 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 they're in the highways and byways. They're compelling people. They're introducing people to Jesus, and they're evangelizing, and they're moving forward, and they're growing, and things like that. And so when Paul writes this letter, he is so excited to greet them in this. But at the same time, he begins to challenge them, don't forget to pray for me because I'm in bondage. I'm imprisoned at this moment, and it's really hindering the, the work of God that what he wants to do. And so let me just read this, and we start in verse 2, and it says this, and it says to be persistent, again, I'm reading out the Amplified, it says be persistent and devoted to prayer, being alert and focused in your prayer life with an attitude of thanksgiving, and at the same time, pray for us, too, that God will open up a door of opportunity for us to work for the, for the word to proclaim the mystery of, of Christ, for which I have been imprisoned that I may take it clear and speak boldly and unfold the mystery in the way I should. In verse 5, it says, Conduct yourselves with wisdom and in your interactions with outsiders or non-believers. Make the most of each opportunity, treating it as something precious. Let your speech at all times be gracious and pleasant, seasoned with salt, so that you will know how to answer each one who questions you. Father, we just thank you for the reading of God's word. Father, we ask, Lord, that you would begin to open up our hearts and minds to receive that word. Father, help me, God, to articulate the things, how you want it to come across, that it would be an impactful message to, to our hearts today. That, Father, that sometimes we're just weak vessels, but God, you give us the power to accomplish much through your presence, for, through, your, through your spirit, God. Thank you so much for the message of grace. Thank you so much for the love that will chase us down, that was willing to leave the 99 to find us. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. And so um, today, my, the title of the message is going to make it count. Somebody say make it count. All right. So um, as I was studying this and, and prepping for, for today's service and everything, I, I just really began to ask the Lord, okay, so what's going on, you know, in me? How, how do I want to share and articulate this message uh, to, to be one that is challenging, but at the same time that is building in love and edifying the body of Christ. Because sometimes we can get into these, these kind of messages and you can just browbeat the church to death. But I want you to understand that, that time is the most valuable thing that you can have. Do you understand that you can lose all your money, but you can gain it back? You can lose your possessions, and you can gain them back. You can lose all of those things that are tangible and you can get it back. But time, you can never get it back. We have an appointed time. Even the scripture talks about it. We have an appointment of when we're born and we have an appointment of when we go. And so time is the most precious, most valuable thing that you and I have in this world. And so as I was reading the scriptures and I was looking uh, through Colossians and studying about it, I understand that Paul's opening exhortation is framed by two imperatives, both which convey the deep concern to evangelize the unbeliever. In other words, we must be about looking for the opportunities to evangelize. Now, I know that sometimes we get into this position where, you know, we're going to let that go for the pastor or we're going to let that go for the elders or we're going to let that go for, you know, leadership. But God has called all of us to spread the word of God. He's called all of us to do our part. Amen? And so I want to challenge you with this because Paul was addressing the Colossians. He was so excited to writing this letter to them, even though he's in a position of being imprisoned. He's, you know, he's being shackled up, all that kind of stuff. But yet this letter makes it through as an encouragement to the body of the, of the Colossians who were doing the business, who are doing because they had an encounter with the Word of God. They had an encounter with a man named Jesus. And when they took that and when they began to believe upon that, it says that they were continually growing their ministry. They were growing where they were. And it, and it, and it just didn't fall just on the few, but it fell on everybody. And when you have that, when you take that on, and when we take Grace Point, and we get that message that we've been getting, come on somebody, have we not been getting some of the best messages that, that have liberated you and I? That there is no reason why we shouldn't leave out of this place and go evangelize somebody at a restaurant somewhere. Whether it be the waitress, or whether it be a cook, or whether it be, you know, somebody just waiting in the two-hour lines if you're going to Texas Roadhouse. Come on somebody, you know what I'm talking about. Huh? But there are imperatives, but the, the imperatives on this, though, I want you to focus on that word, devote. Somebody say devote. And it says that, that, that when Paul began to, to talk about devotion or devote in this, word, in this scripture to prayer and to opportunity. Devote, if you take it into the Greek, and, and you know, I'm not fluent in Greek, okay? I'll just tell you right now. Uh, I'm a boy from Florida. Come on, go Gators, somebody. Yeah, uh, you know I do this every time I get a microphone, all right? 
I mean, we may not have the best season, but, you know, God loves orange and blue. I'm just telling you right now. All right. Don't tune me out just yet. Don't, uh, I see people taking the glasses off, and they've already done uh, this, this, this joker right here done messed up. All right. But I want you to understand that in the, in the Greek, it's, it's called prosketeo. All right? And if you take the first part of the word, the meaning of that pro, it means to, a, to the advantage of or with regard to. And skesketeo is to be steadfast. The origin of the word krotos is mighty with great power. So when you put it all together, you know, you get it this way. To devote means to adhere to one, to be ad- adherent, to be devoted or constant to one, to be steadfast, unattentive uh, uh, unto, to give remitting care to a thing, to continue in all the time in a, in a place, to preserve and, and not to faint, to show one's courage, uh, courageous for, to be constant readiness for one, waiting and constantly. Wow. Did you ever think devote really meant all of that? It's powerful. And it's the same devotion that we find in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, when it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread. They devoted themselves to, the, to adhering to the Word of God. They devoted themselves in this. And so I want to talk to you just a little bit about the breakdown of prayer. We find in verse 2, Paul addresses the persistence of a prayer life, but we also see how he addresses with prayer of thanksgiving. See, that's one of the things that's been wonderful about the teaching here. We don't have to beg God in our prayers. Our, and I don't know about you, but I've been one of those guys in, in, that I've always begged God, God, heal this. Blah. I mean, just everything that you're always trying to beg Him to do something. But when we have an understanding that when we can come to God with, a th- with thanksgiving, that's how Paul addresses this. You've got to come into this thing with thanksgiving that it's already been done. It's already been paid for. It's already been taken care of. And so when we address with prayer, all of a sudden your prayer life becomes in line with authority instead of begging. Because now we see who we are because we've been placed in Christ. Come on. We've been placed in Christ. And if we know that God is happy with Christ and we've been placed in Christ, then what? He's happy with you and I. That's why it's so easy for us. It should be so easy for us to worship. And it should be so easy for us to evangelize. It should so be easy for us to do this thing. Amen? But in this, what we find that approach, we've got to stop this begging and pleading. But we come with power and proclamation. Believers should be ministering the word by the foolishness of preaching. See, sometimes we just disqualify ourselves because maybe we haven't been to Bible college or we, we haven't read the Bible completely all the way through, and so that already disqualifies you. It's not. When we entered into this relationship with Jesus and we get this understanding of grace and what it was, was paid upon the cross, it gives us all the ability to open up our mouths and to share the gospel. And see, sometimes we disqualify ourselves because I, don't, I can't memorize the Scripture. Well, I don't memorize Scripture very well either. My mind is not the best. But one of the things that I, I can do is I can share His love. I can share the testimony when I was a 17-year-old boy coming into an encounter with God. I knew where I was. 
and how he changed my life. And now he's set my foot into a place that I never, ever, ever thought that I would ever be. I never thought I would end up holding a microphone and preaching his word. I never thought, that never encountered, encountered my mind. But guess what? That can happen to you. You may never, ever hold a microphone. That doesn't matter. What matters is the time that you take and the time that is given. Are you going to make it count? Are you going to make it count? All right, so listen. Um, we, we see that um, uh, in Romans chapter 10, verse 8, but what does it say? The word is near you. It's in your mouth and it's in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. See, you got to have this encounter. I mean, that's what really changes things. It's when it gets deep down in your spirit and it gets deep down in your knower. See, when I came here, I, I, was, I was senior pastoring a church for five years down in Lake Butler, Florida. And I, I understood the grace of God, but I didn't understand the grace of God. I always thought that there were contingencies and there were just little things that would, you know, uh, you, 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 you could step this way, but if you did too much, then, you know, you was in trouble. I didn't understand the true message of how his love has covered everything. How his love redeemed us. How his love empowered us. But you got to understand there's a distinct difference between faith and belief. Faith is the proclamation. When we pray, we pray with power. We pray in the leading with faith. That is why the scriptures use the mountain as the illustration. That when you can pray with that prayer of faith and you can just begin to proclamate because that's what faith is, is proclamation. It's different than belief. Belief is a mindset or a state of immovable truth to a person. I'm going to believe. Amen? Everybody understands this. That's why when we was children, we was always wanting to be on the good list because we had true belief. Belief is a powerful thing. We find so many people sell themselves short because they don't believe in themselves. You know, in, in, in my, in my um, genre of, of work, you know, I'm in sales. And this is a sales pitch. If you need a copy machine, just give me a call. All right. Let me just put it out there right now. We do print management. I, what, uh, never mind. Never mind. I'll give you my elevator speech here in just a second. But. You know, if you don't believe in the product that you sell, you'll never sell it. If you don't believe that it's the best product in the world, you're never going to sell it. You know, I, I, you know the, the, if, belief has got to get into the core of the mind and the heart. We find that in, in Romans, um, belief is the core value of Christianity. We find in Romans chapter 10, verse 9 through 10, it says, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with the heart that you believe and are justified. Amen? Somebody say justified. It's in the belief that we're justified. And with our mouth, understand that when you begin to believe, you have no problem opening your mouth. Then all of a sudden now you say, God, give me the eyes that you see with. Give me the heart that you love with. Amen? 
And when we get into that mode, all of a sudden now, the proclaiming is not an issue. Because when you get a, a belief that's deep down inside, you have no problem opening up your mouth. Huh? Some believe that Georgia is the best team that God has ever created. Do I got anybody in the house that believes that? All right, see? I won't say FSU, I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> I won't say FSU. <laughs> All right. Mm. All right. All right, so this is, and, and truly when that belief system really gets down, how many knows that that really transforms into the good news, right? That is the good news. We find it in Mark chapter 9. It talks about a boy who was demon-possessed, and the father asked some of the disciples to cast out the spirit, and they, and they couldn't. And when Jesus hears of this, the father pleads for his son, right? Everybody know that story? And, and, and in fact, he says that when, uh, and, and here's, here's the key to this, but here is how Jesus' response is to this situation addressing the crowd. In Mark chapter 9, verse 19, he says, He answered them and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Do you feel that he was just a little bit agitated? Because faith and believing are totally different. When you believe that you can lay hands on the sick and see them to recover, you have no problem articulating it. Out of the heart, the mouth speaks is some of the scripture that we, we adhere to it as well, right? So when that belief system begins to really rise up in you, come on somebody, how many's ever been in that position where all of a sudden you just could not hold it anymore? That when you begin to hear something or you begin to hear a conversation about something and you know the truth and all of a sudden that begins to boil up inside you and that you just got to speak to it. You got to shut some things down. You got to shut some, you know, the, the mouth of the of the lion sometimes, you know. You got to speak to that situation. I know my bank account looks empty, but by God, I have the riches in heaven that I can pull down. You know what I'm saying? You begin to speak those things why? Because it's a belief system in you. And there's nothing that can take you from that. Nothing. Now listen, we find that um, the problem is, is that we have a lot of people who can proclaim but not operate in belief. We have a, a problem with a lot of Christians today that can proclaim, but it doesn't line up with their belief. They proclaim because somebody told them to proclaim. They proclaim because they feel that that might be the right thing to do, but their heart is from it. I was so encouraged today that um, uh, when Dexter came in and we began to talk, and everybody knows that Dexter's been dealing with a lot of shoulder issues and things like that. And it's just been tremendous for him. I, I, I understand because I remember I had shoulder surgery and it took me out for a year. It's a long process. It's easier to have your hip replaced than it is your shoulder to mess with. Uh, yeah, all right. But let me tell you something. Today he was so encouraging, he said, I can lift up my arm like this. 
And I just begin to believe right then and there, God, you're already healing. You're already taking this thing, those things. And then he said, I've been anointing myself with oil. And see, I'm telling you, when you get that heart belief in you, you'll do the silly things. It doesn't matter. And you don't care what people think. You're going to do it. If I got to dip my head in some Crisco, come on, somebody. <laughs> Shine it up. <laughs> whoop, whoop, whoop. All right. So do we truly believe what grace has accomplished? Do we truly believe it? Do we truly believe it? And that's only a question that you can ask yourself. Do you truly believe this? Or do you go, well... And then you start looking at yourself in a works mentality. Although we were created for works. And that's, the, and that's one of the things that I really wanted to talk about today. Do you believe that there is no weapon formed against you that will prosper? Do you really believe that? Do you believe that the body can overcome the strongholds of a city? Do you realize that there are strongholds over cities? I don't, I don't know. I, I know that we, um, we talk about warfare and we talk about things. And I know that we have a different, different understanding of that. But I, I can tell you right now, there are strongholds over cities. And there are four that I've, and, and one day maybe God will let me teach on these. Um, but, but for right now, I'll let you know what these four strongholds. Do we have any poverty in our city? Uh, go ahead and just say amen because we got poverty in this city. Do we have religion in this city? Do we have traditions of men in this city? Do we have hate in this city? Strongholds. These are, these are barriers for a city. These are barriers for a city to really grow. But how many knows that we have a truth that can break through all those things? We have a truth that, that has set us free. Why wouldn't we at Grace Point want to go out there and share? It's not about just the pastors doing this. It's about everybody having in that encounter and to believe. Grace didn't redeem us to, keep us, to, keep, uh, uh, to be kept in bondage. But he liberated us to proclaim the message to make an impact. And that impact is also through works. And I know that sometimes um, you can hear messages where, you know, uh, the struggle is, is that uh, works by, by, you know, salvation by works and things like that. That's not what I'm talking about. We already know that that's a lie. We already addressed that. Apostles addressed that. We've already learned that it's not about that. But you and I have jobs to do. We have things that we have to do. Now, here's the thing. Grace has afforded you to sit on your rear. You can do it. You can sit on your rear and not do a thing. My question to you is, how can you? How can we just sit when we have this message, this belief, this proclamation that sits right here? How can we sit? How do we just wait for somebody else to do it? Mm, I know it's pretty quiet in here. That's okay. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 talks about the importance of the unity and the diversity of the body, right? Some are called, some are the hands, some are the eyes, some are the foot, but we all are in one body. We are one body called by one spirit. We all have diversities. That's what's so cool 
about this ministry. I love the diversity in this ministry. I love it. I love that we have white and we have African Americans and we have Spanish folk and we have, I mean, I, just, I love it. I think this is what heaven looks like. Amen? But we all have a purpose and a destiny. We all have a purpose in this world. Why wouldn't we open up our mouths to share? Why wouldn't we? We all need each other. We need each other's gifts and talents. And let me just tell you this right here. Your gifts are for the edifying of the body. In other words, we need each other. We need each other. Go ahead and turn to your neighbor and say, I need you. Uh, oh, uh, yeah, just say, say it like a peaches and herb way too. You know what I'm saying? I need you. All right. <laughs> oh, my goodness. We need each other. This body needs each other. Do you realize there are so many things that you can plug yourself into at this church? From children's ministry to youth, to youth, to youth, to youth. <laughs> there are so many different things from the food ministry to, to you know, holding up small groups at your home. And, and let me just put a plug in that. If you're not involved in a small group and it's the main discipleship of this ministry, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you take the time to build those relationships, to get that word, break it down? You know, that's the whole point of these small groups is they take the word and they break it down from the message on Sunday. To get that disciple, that's discipleship. So that that gets down deep in you and so it builds that belief system in you. So when the wiles of the enemy comes, then you know how to stand. When all you can do is stand, you stand. You don't lose any ground. And let me also put this plug in one more time here. Individual isolation is the devil's playground. When you get by yourself, that's why it's so important that the body gets together we look for opportunities to connect. We look for ways that we can build each other. That means you get on the phone and you call. If, they, if somebody ain't there, you call them. I don't care. Sometimes it's, you just feel like you're the only one doing it. It doesn't matter. You make the effort. You do what the leading of the Spirit tells you to do. Connect with people. Build those relationships. I'm telling you right now, a church that builds strong relationships will make an impact in a city. But a church that derives on individualism, and that's all that they want it to be, it will be a church that will not grow. It will stay stagnant. Amen? All right. So, um, and I'm, I'm, I'm coming to a close here in just a second. Somebody say, wow, that's early. Oh, that, don't worry. I've got 15 more pages. It's okay. All right. Point number one, kingdom advancement is achieved by the body. In Acts chapter 6, it discusses the problems with the needs of the widows and how they are being neglected. We see in Acts chapter 2, verse, starting verse 2, it says this, Then the twelve summoned the multitude of disciples and said, Is it not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables? Therefore, brethren, seek out among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, 
whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And in verse 7 it says this, And then the word of God spread. Somebody said the word of God spread. And the numbers of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And great and, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. We all have something to do. I want you to, I want you to be encouraged. Believe me, I'm not trying to browbeat anybody. I'm saying get involved. Find something to do. See, I mean, whether it would be, and, and I know that this is just simple because I've done it. I've been the toilet cleaner. I've done everything in a ministry that you can do. Cut the yard, clean toilets. Do I mean, everything. Look for a way that you can plug in. Look how you can help. I'm telling you, when that ends up happening, a belief system, all of a sudden, now you own the ministry. This is Grace Point. This is my home. All of a sudden, now you take it to another level. You look for ways. Right now, we, we need to pay for this roof that's on this building. Aren't you glad that we're not having water pour into our building? We look for ways. I'm going to partner in with that. I'm going to do what it takes. This is my home. I can tell you right now, other denominations and other religious systems don't struggle with that. They don't. Because it's a core belief system of them. And they're going to sacrifice. And they're going to take care of business. It's only in, 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 especially in American churches that we find that we have every reason why we can't. And that is the premise of our vocal, is that I would, but I can't. Churches today are, are starving. I don't know about you, but I look around and I see churches today, I mean, they're so dilapidated, don't look like anybody cares, don't have any energy, don't look... How are we going to make an impact? Aren't you glad that we're here at Grace Point? When you look at the grounds and you see the grounds are pretty, and you come into this place and it's been cleaned, can I tell you that it's been on the back of the few? Come on, somebody. I know it's quiet. But we all have a purpose. We all need to plug in. We all need to pick up the mantle. Kingdom advancement is achieved by the wisdom, uh, I mean, uh, um, I believe that there are rewards in obedience. Do you, do you think, I, I know that we're not cursed if we don't follow in obedience, but I definitely believe that there are rewards in our obedience. I believe that. I don't think we're cursed. We've been redeemed of the curse. But there are blessings. There are blessings when we partner up and we look for ways. Amen? Grace has not afforded us to sit on our butts while the wiles of the world prosper. Again, we have different ministries here at Grace Point that you can plug into. Somebody say, make it count. Number two, kingdom advancement is achieved by wisdom and knowledge. Nothing better than truth, would you say? How many, how many knows that truth is what? Come on, this is not hard. Truth has set us what? Oh, say it one more time. Free, right? We are an information-driven society. Would you agree? 
Are we looking for ways to continually grow in information? I mean, our smartphones now are just as fast as your home computers. I mean, and we're always constantly looking for information, right? We're always wanting to see who's on Facebook and who has liked my status. Oh, my goodness, I only had three people like it. You know what I'm saying? We're continually looking for ways for information to, you know, for us to be more information-driven. And, 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 and if that's not true, just try to do your third-grader's math book. Come on. I was so proud one time. The kids brought their homework. I said, I got this. I did it. They went, they went to school, came back. It was all wrong. I said, what? I thought two plus two was four. How is it not? Oh, no, no, no. There's nine ways to get this answer. What? <laughs> I felt this small. Proverbs 18.15 says, The heart of the prudent acquires knowledge, and the ear of the wise seeks knowledge. We need knowledge. Because in that knowledge, as disciples of Christ, we should, ne- we should always ever be increasing in our knowledge of the, of the truth of the word. There is liberation when we come to an understanding of the word. That's one of the things that I appreciate about being here at Grace Point. Is man, I'm telling you, apostle breaks this stuff down. And you know, sometimes, and I know sometimes I've even heard this, well, man, there's just more to grace than, than I mean, we need to do something different, you know. But when you've got to understand that you're tearing down belief systems, belief systems that have been in, in, in operation for 20 and 30 and 40 and 50 years, it takes time. It takes time. And it takes repetition. It takes repetition, doesn't it? You've got to continually feed yourself that truth and then all of a sudden you might just get a little glimpse of the truth and next thing you know you might get just a little bit more glimpse of the truth and then the next minute you get all of the truth and now you just walk with a different a different way you walk with your head up and not down you understand who you are in the body we build upon precept upon precept and ever learning body to the changing cultures and trends listen church of 50 years ago, struggles. You can't do it the same way they did it. 50, the cultures and the trends change. And I know sometimes we, we buck that because, to be honest with you, a lot of our mentality is if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But we look constantly do you, let me let me just share with you and I, and I've been in in ministry now going on about 20 years it's crazy to think about it I mean I had hair when I first started okay <laughs> student ministry today is probably one of the most difficult ministries and is it okay if I just be honest with you student ministry right now is one of the hardest ministries I've ever been a part of this day and age There is so much information that comes to these teenagers so fast that if you're not on top of that, from whether it be a Snapchat or Facebook or Twitter or, I mean, there's new ones that are out there. 
And they're getting so much information so fast that if a youth pastor doesn't stay up with it, you are far way behind. It is tough. The days of hot dogs and cookouts and things like that. <laughs> you know, a little kumbaya session, you know. It just it doesn't work. It doesn't work. But I, what I do know what works is the love of God. There is no trend or culture that can overcome the love of God. For it's the love of God that draws people. It's the love of God that draws people into, his, into a relationship with Him. It's the love of God that reveals who we are in Him. It's the love of God. That's why it was so cool to hear all the songs this morning just really ramped up about the love of God. And I don't know, and I just feel this in my spirit, if I can just go ahead and launch this on out there. Somebody's wrestling with the love. Right now, somebody in this room is wrestling with the love. And I, I will dare to believe that that whole worship service was dedicated just to you. Because somebody came in this room with heavy burdens and, and they've been beat up. They've been beat up by their decisions and their choices in life. But I'm here to tell you tonight, or this morning, that God loves you. Mm. And I'm going to end with point number three. If you would just play something really soft for me, please. Kingdom advancement is achieved by believing. You just got to simply believe it. You got to believe this thing. You got to believe the message. Not just with words and proclamation. Although those are important. But you got to believe in your heart. You got to believe. Tell yourself, I do believe. Kind of just like point your finger at yourself and say, dummy, believe. <laughs> it's all right. I can call myself dummy. It doesn't matter. My wife will call me dummy too. We've got to believe this thing. Belief creates action. The ministry is on the shoulders of the body. Not just the few. I want to encourage you, if you'd stand to your feet for just a few moments. Matthew 21 and 22 says, And whatever things you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive. We must have the right mindset. Believing is a powerful tool. You know, I was sitting there, and um, I was just thinking, and and, and for years, I, I've heard a lot of people talk about Joel Osteen, right? And uh, he's just a feel-good preacher. He, he don't ever want to address sin and all those kinds of things. And I actually was one of those guys that would kind of say stuff like that, and I would poke fun at it. But when you listen to a lot of his messages, he tries to get people to believe in this thing called Christianity. He tries to get people to believe in themselves in the sense that you're not junk. You have a purpose. Because I can tell you right now, 
throughout this whole room, we've had people tell us that we're nothing, that they won't amount to anything. I've dealt with so many kids that parents would tell their kids that kind of stuff because kids are kids. They make wrong choices. They make, they make you know... You know, parents today aren't battling the same stuff that kids are today. And there's a thing that's warring for our kids in this generation. And, you know, when we look back and we could say each generation is, is, the, is the same thing, you know. Uh, you know, the generations of the, of the 30s and 40s are not dealing with the same thing that the generations of the 60s and 70s were dealing with. Right? Well, guess what? The kids of this today are not dealing with the same, we're not dealing with the same things of the 60s and 70s. It's a whole different level. In fact, it's gone skyrocketed. But we got to believe this thing. Do you truly believe in your relationship with God? Do you truly believe that grace paid the way? Do you truly believe that God has made the way? Do you truly believe this? Or do you just say it with a proclamation but your heart is far from. It's got to get deep down inside. I believe if that believing gets deep down inside, you won't be able to keep your mouth shut. You will see the miracles and the manifestations. Come on. We've been called to see miracles and manifestations. We shouldn't have to be watching it happening over in other countries. But see, the American church is totally different bird we got to think things out. we got to, you know, it, it's, just, it's just crazy. It's just crazy. And so this morning, I just wanted to, to come and make a declaration over you. Is that make it count. Make it count. Make your life count. Jesus has already made you count. But be a voice into somebody else. Take that opportunity. Look for opportunities. Speak into somebody's life. I mean, you can look around and people are devastated continually around us. Why wouldn't we speak what we believe? Why wouldn't we make it count? Let me pray real quick. Ministry team, if you would come. Before you leave out of this place today, I would implore you, if you need a word of encouragement, or if you need somebody to just partner in with you about an issue or something that's against you, don't leave this place. There's power in prayer. We don't pray because we're begging. We're praying because we're coming into an agreement and power. That whatever is needing to take place in your life will come to fruition. Don't leave this place and say, well, you know, I just, no. That would be the first step that you should make is to come forward. And let us pray with you. It's awesome. Father, we just thank you for this morning. Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we can come together as the body of Christ. That, Father, that we can take a message like this that, 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 Hopefully, God, that I've just, I've made it in a sense that, God, that it's a challenging thing that we get up out of ourselves. And that, Father, that we would see you the way that you see us. 
And that, Father, that we would have a heart stirred with compassion. That, Father, that when we look upon our city, we see it totally different, God. That we would see it as a, as a field that is full of gems. That, Father, that people need to, need to experience the freedom of God. And they need to experience the freedom that grace is paid for. Father, I thank you so much for the believers in this house, God, that they would take this challenging message, Lord, that they would not sit upon it, but, God, that they would let it adhere to their hearts, that, Father, that you would speak to their minds, that, God, that you would open up a, 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 a wave of encouragement, Lord, towards them, that, Father, that they would hold their heads high, that they would walk in truth, for the truth has set them free, that, Father, that we have a task before us. Father, that we have assignments, that we have purpose. Father, help us to discover what that is. Father, in this room, there are many people already know what they should be doing. And so I speak against that. I speak against the, the spirit of laziness. In the name of Jesus, Lord, let us get up. The crippled man, Jesus, you told him just to take up his mat and walk. Father, let us operate in that kind of freedom that whatever may be hindering us would fall off. And Father, that we would see the mission field all around us. Father, I thank you so much for the opportunity to speak. I thank you so much, God, that your love has covered us. I thank you, God, that you, would, you have a reckless love for us all. In your name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Go ahead and high five.